Welcome to Girl Geek X podcast, where we connect you with insights from women in tech. I'm Angie, founder of Girl Geek X, and this podcast brings you the best of Girl Geek X dinners, events, and conferences, where we've been elevating women in tech for over 10 years. Hi, I'm Sukruta, CTO of Girl Geek X. I'm Gretchen, COO of Girl Geek X. And I'm Rachel, the producer of this podcast. Today, we'll be talking about transitioning into managerial roles. Yeah, so one thing that I noticed just listening back to a lot of our previous episodes is how much this topic just comes up naturally in conversations about completely different things. Do you guys have any guesses for why that might be? I think maybe it's because that's when some of us noticed, you know, our biggest, uh, you know, that, that switch to being uncomfortable again or being a beginner again. I think that's probably why. What do you think, Gretchen? No, I totally agree because, I mean, you you sort of get there when you've, like, mastered your role, right? And then, I mean, that's what's sort of flawed about becoming a manager in general, right? Because the way that you get there is by being an awesome individual contributor, and then you need this entirely different skill set. So you're, like, not qualified at all for the job that you're supposedly really qualified for. And I think it's that, oh, my God, I was amazing. And the next day you're like, oh, I suck. So I think that's why it comes up a lot. What about you, Angie? So in the Silicon Valley, I hear some anxiety from women where they have been awesome in the area of tech that they're in, and then they get this opportunity to become a manager. And then they have these conversations of, is being an engineering manager going to be taking me away from technology, or is it going to be taking me to where I want to go and having those conversations with myself? I think it's also a conversation time and again because there's no real manual somehow on how to be a good manager but you kind of learn it on the job by making mistakes um and even though people might like try to prep you you still only learn it by doing it i think i don't think anyone um in their childhood is like i want to be a manager I want to be a middle manager. No, but they are like, I want to be a boss, right? Like, there's a difference, right? And being a manager, there's nothing about being a manager that's telling people what to do. Like, that's what you think it is, and that will make you a terrible manager if that's what you think being a manager is. Yeah, and like, as a senior individual contributor, you can actually tell people what they need to do or break up the work. But then as a manager, you're supposed to, like, step back and listen and let your team, like, come up with the design and you know, come up with what needs to be worked on. So you have to be a little bit more listen mode, which which is hard because you've spent all this time growing into being the person who has an opinion and now you're supposed to suppress it a little bit to let people grow. Yeah, I mean, your job as a manager is to empower your team, yeah. right? To remove obstacles, to make sure they have what they need, to make sure they have like the, the right goals and all of the checkpoints to get there. And none of that has anything to do with like how awesome you were at your job before that and the hard thing is is you're like I just want to jump in and do it because I know I can do it better and faster than this person and to be like no Mm -hmm. what are some other differences between manager roles and individual contributor roles I think uh, knowing like the validation of knowing how you're doing that there's a big difference there too if you are you know making a sales pitch and then a customer decides to jump on or if you are writing code and you fixed a bug, you find out much more quickly. It's more predictable to know how you're doing. And I think you like get to a point where 
as an individual contributor, you can measure your output. You can measure, like, these inputs are getting me these outputs. Um, and eventually, as a manager, you sort of figure out how to measure the outputs of your team. But I think that takes a while to, like, sort of figure out. And so you just, you don't get any validation. And for a while, you really do suck. And so if you feel like you suck, it probably is because you do. But it's hard to sort of... Because you also have these people staring at you like, okay, lead. And you're like freaking out inside trying to pretend like you know what to do. Um, which I also think um, as a manager learning how to say, I don't know, let's figure this out. Or what do you think? Because you feel like as a manager, you have to have the answers and your team will respect you so much more if you're not fronting and trying to pretend like you do. At Elevate, our annual Girl Geek X virtual conference, Stitch Fix CTO Kathy Polinsky shares her thoughts on how a manager's role is different from a software developer's. Let's just talk about software developer versus manager, um, because it is this really interesting thing that uh, the things that help you be most successful as an engineering uh, as an engineer are not necessarily the things that you need to do once you're an engineering manager. Uh, and that's something that we're not sure. We, we talk about that a lot at my staff, meaning of, is that true for a lot of other fields? Because I get the impression that that dynamic is not always as, as clear as it is in software development. Um, when you're focusing a lot on coding and projects and building up your technology skills, those things are great and important to lean on uh, so that you understand the projects um, are going on track. But there's a whole other aspect of how you're managing people and projects um, and initiatives that um, you don't necessarily always get uh, to do as an individual contributor. Um, and so uh, it's, it was a very challenging and different um, experience for me, but one that I really loved. Uh, I feel like as a software developer, you get these CS highs, um, you solve some problem, you um, are excited about uh, getting to a solution that uh, works and that you can um, push out and uh, deploy. And that's just exciting that you get to see that solution, you get to see people using it, um, and you get to see the difference that you're making. Uh, when you're a manager and you're not actually writing the hands-on code and influencing through people, things take longer. Uh, you can't always see of like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to give people advice and coaching them in this way. Um, am I getting through to them? Is this working? Am I shifting the team um, uh, to be better or not? Um, it's not that you can see that on a day-to-day -day basis, but that your impact is much broader. And um, if you can stick through it and realize that it's, it's not the same as that every day, every hour, um, uh, a continuous feedback loop that um, you find other ways to feel, um, to, to see your impact and that you can be really proud of the people uh, and lives that you can influence. Do these differences that Kathy outlines reflect what you've seen in your own experience? I think it does. It took me a long time to realize that it was all my fault. If the team failed, if an individual failed, um, then it was all my fault. And that shifting my thinking that way was what really helped me become a leader instead of just a manager um, and figuring out and then letting them know that too and being very explicit about this is you know if you failed it was because you did not have the resources you did not have the time you did not have the communication or you had some sort of roadblock that I could have moved for you 
Um, and so it's very rarely that they don't have the ability and it's very rare they don't have the motivation. It's that there was something else going on. Um, maybe it was a timeline plan. Maybe you didn't coordinate between two individuals for a handoff, but it's always your fault if your team fails. Um, and I think that's the, for me, that was a light bulb. Um, I, I, I think for me, like I was thinking that it was fully my fault too early because there are times <laughs> when people just don't want to do their job. You know, they were just checked out. And I think the way to solve that would have been to like make sure I built the team to be the best functioning team. And, you know, that meant managing people out if it's not working out with them instead of me constantly trying, I tried really, I spent too long trying really hard with the people who were just not into it. Yeah. You know, they need to be equally invested as you just because of staking a lot of the blame on me. So um, I, I I feel I totally see what you're saying, but like to for me to get to a point where I can be in a position that I can take full blame, I need to have I should have should build the team the right way. Oh, totally. And I think yeah. it's the same, though. There's some failure that happened, right? You failed to recognize yeah, that they weren't the right person earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so it's like that sort of just all of that is your responsibility and, and being able to take that on. And you did, right? You said, like, this person isn't working out and I need to figure this out and get the right person in there. Yeah, but I also learned, you know, people aren't code. You can't just, like, change things and it'll you know, it'll fall into place. No. These are personalities. They are human beings. And, you know, you give feedback. You have to give it some time to resolve and give chances up to a point. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. Mutually yeah. shake hands and you're like, this is not working. <laughs> so. Yeah, and you're having those conversations along the way so that when you just really have that like final conversation, it's not a surprise to anybody. Yeah, and, and I also felt like through that process, I became a better reportee. You know, I was mm -hmm. better to my, yeah. yeah, I was more effective to my manager. I understood how I could make their job easier. Mm -hmm. And so those are the learnings for me, I would say. Have you ever had a person report to you that you felt was, you know, not fully invested and they were a little tough to manage? I feel that oftentimes when I was a manager, um, it was not something that I per se uh, felt like I did a good job at. It was not what I went into the job looking to do. Okay, let's break this down. Mm -hmm. Were they a direct report? Yes. Yeah. You hired them or you inherited them? Inherit. Mm. So there's, there's a big so then, difference. Yeah, that part sucks. Yeah. So then what happened? Um, the CEO was like, I just can't handle these people, so you have to handle them. Like, your story is actually the most interesting one because I think this happens a lot. And then you think, oh, I'm terrible as a manager. Right. And this is what I was... <laughs> Alluding to earlier, when you take the blame too early on yourself, when you mm. had no control over the actual situation, and when you actually start to take control is when you can say you're fully responsible, if that makes sense. A lot of times people who are becoming managers, it's not the path that they saw for themselves. It's just like assumed to be the next step. So they just take on that role and it might not make the most sense for them or be something they want to do or be good for the people they're managing. I definitely had an experience like that where just like a fact of getting promoted meant that I was managing one person. And along with that, there wasn't any like, here's what to do or how <laughs> to do this well. No yeah. I think, I think part of knowing that it's on you is 
empowering yourself to actually fix the problem that's that's the problem <laughs> as opposed to just being like oh this is on me and stuck with it you know you have to feel like you can fix the problem so that's a good segue into our next section um with Zisha Karimboy who's a director of engineering we heard from her at a branch girl geek dinner last year she talks about the first few months of her transition from individual contributor as a manager and sort of the pitfalls and then how she found her way through it The most challenging one was when I moved from an engineer kind of in a leadership role to actually running an entire organization with uh, people who were once my peers, now being my direct reports, and people who had years and years more of experience than me, researchers, PhDs, definitely more skilled specialists, who now reported into me, and I had to figure out how to provide them the growth opportunities and the mentorship while also planning out the entire roadmap of a strategic arm of the organization. So that was by far, and with zero mentorship, because I reported directly to the CEO, who had no time. And so um, it was definitely by far the most challenging jump I've had to make in terms of different roles. And I think that the, the beginning, like the initial part of that journey, was the most challenging, because I couldn't find my bearings. As an engineer, I still very much gravitated to an IC. I wanted to just go and code, and I wanted to fix things. Um, and that was not my role anymore. you know. And I still very often found myself just wanting and itching to write the code and getting like the credit for it, because as a manager, you gotta, you got to give the credit. You got It's your team's work. It's your, you're responsible for growing the team and getting out of their way, way as quickly as possible. And so I think the first couple of months in my new role was the most challenging until I figured out how to get the mentorship I needed and then make sure that I was very open and honest with what I could or could not provide the team. So I could not directly tell a machine learning engineer how to actually build their models, because I didn't have the experience myself. I couldn't figure out, oh, you should use XCG, XCG Boost versus something else. Um, and so I figured out how to get them the mentorship that they needed for them to be successful, so that they could still respect me as their manager and I could take care of the other things for them. So that was the most challenging thing I had to deal with. What can we learn from Zisha's experience? I think the first thing is when someone's going to be, you're going to, as a CEO or leader in the company, if you're going to make someone a manager, you need to sort of make sure you're providing them with the support, whether it's external trainings or internally or assigning them with a mentor, because you don't want to lose that person. <laughs> I find that a lot of people tell me when they were first time managers, they didn't have any coaching or training or mentorship. And even though I had, uh, access to trainings and you know mentors it was still so hard so I can't even imagine why companies big or small don't have a formal pro more formal program or at least a process in place of some kind I mean I think it's startups like early stage startups like there just are no resources for any sort of training right and I think most of what you do, especially like really, really early stage, most of what you do day to day, like you're not qualified to do and you don't know anything about it. And like everyone's sort of, but I totally agree. If you get, you know, a couple hundred employees and you're like taking someone and making them a manager and you're not doing something to make them successful, like you're just throwing money away. Like that's hard on them. It's hard on the team, right? Yeah, it could impact productivity of the engineers too, right? So that's that's a huge loss. I I mean, obviously not really small companies, but the at least mid-sized ones, a lot of them don't seem to have no, training. It should come a lot earlier yeah. than I see it coming. That is yeah. 
for sure. Advice out there in podcast land, people. <laughs> Absolutely. You hear about it's all trial by fire in startups. And in companies that are less than a few hundred people, you're not going to probably get any kind of support in your transition to a manager. Um, it seems like there probably should be more services and products available to let these startups have resources to provide when you're not um, a public company with um, many, many years of engineering management training in your books. But I mean, it's not that hard to have a one-on-one -on -one once a week with someone that you've made a manager and leave it for them. Like it's their agenda. They walk in, it's their 30 minutes. You never reschedule it. They always know that they get those 30 minutes and they can come in and they can just be like, this is the fucked up stuff that happened this week. What should I do about it? Like, it's not that hard. You don't need books. You don't need an LMS system. You don't need a lot. You just need to invest time in them because you can only learn so much from like this theoretical whatever. It's like, okay, well, I didn't read in a book somewhere what to do when so-and-so goes on leave and so-and-so doesn't like this other person and they don't work well together, but I need them to do these two things like, and there's no one else to do it. Like, there's no one that can really help you with like the day-to-day -day whatever. I mean, you can read all the books in the world. It's not really going to get you through that the way that someone who's like, oh yeah, I kind of had something like that similar happen or have you tried this? Right. Yeah, I think there have been some resources like Harrison Metal runs a management class a few times a year. Um, there's many, uh, now many engineering conferences and meetups, I call them support groups, where uh, managers <laughs> from across companies get together and they talk about their common struggles mm -hmm. around, um, what is it, pay pay leveling and like just meet, managing their, their teams as well. Yeah. And you know, as a manager too, like as you go from role to role, you need to have um, different peer groups to turn to. Like when I went from being a founder into a COO role, I was for the first time in like sort of this very supporting, but very senior role. And I didn't know how to navigate that. So I had to go make friends that weren't founders because my group were founders and they looked at it from a different vantage point than you do when you're not the founder. And so I just had to like go find some other women that were like reporting directly to the CEO, but weren't founders. And that was like awesomely helpful, actually. Even if you just get together and have a cup of coffee and commiserate of like, this is the crazy stuff that happened this week or whatever. Yeah. Um, does anyone else have other pieces of advice for new managers? I think get a mentor, get a, multiple mentors. Um, there's that saying, right? Build your personal board of directors. You need, you need people who can just listen to you and give you advice. Uh, what's funny is I felt like I wanted people who knew the people I was working with so they could give me relevant advice. And that really worked for me. But sometimes you don't even need that. I find management to be easier when you go into a job knowing that is part of your job description. Um, and my experience has been, sure, I've been a manager since college of smaller teams, um, and that worked out well. I was a manager of an editorial team that worked out well. Um, and then I had another job where uh, when you are basically spinning up your own department and then suddenly asked to manage other departments, it becomes a little confusing and is not what you wanted. And suddenly I feel like, yeah, it was almost not resentful, but um, reluctant manager. And uh, that's not good either. Do yeah, you, for anybody. Do yeah. you think you would have been less reluctant if you had, you know, people pulling in their weight equally? 
I guess what we didn't realize, and this is kind of like working at a tiny startup, is um, we should have just hired more executives to manage those sides instead of trying to shove them under my team, which was an entirely different department. And that was probably like what I look back and like, oh, we should have just hired those VPs of this and that sooner instead of trying to make other teams support them. I think my advice is check your ego. I think that's maybe the hardest part. And if you check your ego, you'll not jump in and try to do somebody else's job for them. Um, You'll hire people that are better than you. You'll get very comfortable with the fact that you couldn't actually do their job for them, that they're better than you at it. And then that's good. And that they'll go to lunch and be like, she's such an idiot. She totally couldn't do my job and be okay with that because you remember what it was like, especially like early in your career where like every manager is an idiot. At least that seemed pretty common. Um, But I think that um, being less worried about what you look like and more worried about like sort of what is getting produced, I think that will just... It for me, it makes the it, it made things calmer when I stopped realizing I didn't have to act like a manager, um, and that it was okay to just sort of do it my way. So that brings us to our next quote during our dinner with Ground Truth. Lauren Stevenson, who's director of human resources business partner, shared her playbook for new managers. I think one of the first things you need to do when you're talking about defining your strategy as a manager is to step back and check yourself and say, why do I want to assume this responsibility, right? A lot of times people end up getting into managerial positions simply because it's the next step on the career progression ladder. And to me, assuming a managerial responsibility is a great kind of um, privilege to be responsible for, you know, talent and people's growth and development and being tasked to actually carry out the business objectives. So check yourself. And, And with that, you're going to hear me say that a few times is, Take a step back and say, what is, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish as being a leader? And um, be intentional about that, right? When you're thinking about, I am responsible for building a team. I am responsible for leading a team. I am being tasked with this. So what do I need to do? Why am I actually signing up to be a manager? Moving away from after you step back and you're like, okay, this is why I want to manage. You start to think about more of the strategic side of actually defining your managerial playbook. And that's thinking about, how do I start to assess the landscape of the company? And that's, you're, you're going to start thinking about, I need to talk to my C-suite. I need to understand what our business objectives are. That's going to help you determine the type of team that you need to build. So you're stepping back and you're like, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Assess the landscape. And then from there, you're like, okay, what type of talent do I need to bring in the door to actually drive that objective? And notice when I said talent, I said the right talent. What does that mean? I didn't say I need talent from top university. I need talent that looks like me, right? You need the right talent. And and when you're thinking about furthering your agenda as a company, connecting to your consumer base, if you look out, most of the consumers don't all look the same. They don't talk the same. They don't come from the same walks of life. You need to think about fostering a diverse workplace, fostering diverse thought, bringing in people who come from different experiences because that's how you're going to build a well-rounded team. That's how you're going to be able to connect to connect with your consumer base um, and actually be able to create an experience that people are actually want to, going to gravitate towards. So that's like the second thing. And then once you have that and you've started thinking about the type of talent that you need, you're going to then move into thinking about what type of resources do we need? What type of tools do we need? What type of processes do we need? What teams are we going to be working with? And then from there, what is the targeted objective or outcome? 
how do I assess if all of this was, was successful once I've sat back and kind of defined what that strategy is? Do you think that these steps could be useful to new managers? That would have helped me to like, you know, step back and think about exactly what I wanted to achieve out of this and then try to achieve it as opposed to just, you know, getting overwhelmed with what was going on. Her, her comment about being intentional about it and feeling responsible for building the team is something for sure I resonate with. What do you think, Gretchen? I mean, I think it's kind of all the steps and we could spend a whole bunch of time just talking about like each individual step. Like, I love that she's like, do you even want to be a manager, right? Like, stop and like reflect for a minute. Like, why do I want this? Because it's a promotion or because I actually want a different job than I have today. Um, I think particularly in engineering roles, this becomes a really big thing. Like I have a friend now who doesn't, she keeps looking, she's very senior and she doesn't want to manage a team. And so she can't really get a job because no one like wants her skill level without putting a team underneath her. And so she's really like struggling with it because she's in marketing and that's not normal to do in marketing. I like to comments about, you know, fostering a diverse workplace and not just hiring people who look like you. I really like that bit as well. What did you think, Angie? Um, yeah, I think she brought up a really great point in looking to build an inclusive team. And I think understanding that you have, um, you're learning and you don't need to bring like more pressure on yourself. But at the same time, like this person's career is in your hands right now. And like if they're going to spend two years working underneath you while you suck um, and you're not you're more focused on yourself than you are on the team, um, then that's where people get stuck in their careers. And if you are that person. Right. And you've had that manager that just doesn't seem to care and you move on. Right. And but sort of finding that out quickly um, so that because I think. A lot of, especially like early managers, um, question themselves on having people taken off their team and they don't, they, they just think, oh, this person wants a job. And it's like, well, actually, if you step back and you think about it, they want to be happy and content and productive and to be feeling good about what they do every day. And right now they're not getting that in this role. And so even if it will really suck for them to not have a job for a little while, they're, you're like giving them a better future than they're going to get if you're just like a paycheck is not enough, right? Does anyone have any final thoughts on becoming a manager? As a reluctant manager who has managed, um, I, I think being a manager is a great privilege. Um, it's one, not one to be taken lightly. Um, unfortunately, it's when you're in a small startup that's just struggling to stay alive, you end up with more teams under you than you would like. And I would probably have to say everyone that I've been managing for like a few years probably is like, oh my gosh, she was a terrible manager. It's because I had my job too. Um, and um, hopefully in the future when I manage more people, it's more intentional and um, in the same department. And um, I think people should be managers, not all of them, but more people than there are currently. I think there's a lot of really talented women who are in engineering who could become engineering managers sooner um, and take that step up and really change the system by managing it and hiring and making the change we need to see in engineering. 
and I don't want to scare them away from it. I think it's, they probably can find the resources to succeed. Yeah, and be patient with what success means, right? It'll take a while before you actually see success. There's no greater joy when you see someone who you're managing or mentoring is getting promoted or getting to the next level that they want. Um, it's as exciting as, you know, getting your big project or product shipped and customers using it. Um, and so I've had so much joy and the, like Angie, you said, it's a privilege. So I definitely had the privilege of growing a lot of people and mentoring a lot of people. So there are these these other experiences along the way that will really make it feel like it's really, really hard and not worth it. But I will say that if you're patient and you wait it out, there are going to be these big wins that are going to feel like it's all worth it. I love being a manager. Like I because I've been doing it for so long though, like now it's like challenging people and giving them something and watching them stretch themselves. Um, like you were saying, like that's just so awesome and like helping them develop. Um, and even if, you know, like I'm at smaller companies, so if they leave to go to another company, like that you're sort of helping them in their journey. And the amount of trust um, that you can build if you are generally like genuinely interested in developing them as a human, it's really awesome. And they stay in touch with you. And like, I can't imagine doing something else. Like that's the thing that I, I enjoy that more than an actual job. I enjoy like developing the humans. Um, so I don't know, like I say, go for it. If it sounds fun. <laughs> I think that my big takeaway from this conversation is how becoming a manager should always be coupled with having really strong mentorship. Yeah, you shouldn't be walking into this role blind. You should definitely have people with experience who know you or your work or have done similar things who can advise. And like Gretchen said, yeah, it's not that every company needs to invest in a super expensive, complicated manager training system. It could really be as simple as just, yeah, partnering with people, checking in with them and making sure that they have what they need to do that job well. And if you don't have those resources in your company, then, you know, find people in your network or build your network together. Maybe come to a girl geek dinner yeah. and find people facing <laughs> similar problems. Go to W. No. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the girl geek X podcast. We'll be back soon with more advice from women. In tech. This episode is brought to us by Branch. Branch provides the most complete deep linking solution for brands to create optimized mobile user experiences that drive app growth and conversions, as well as user engagement and retention. This episode is brought to you by Ground Truth, the leading global technology platform driving in-store visits and sales by leveraging location as a primary source of intent. This podcast is produced by me, Rachel Jones. To learn more about Girl Geek X or buy tickets to our next dinner, visit girlgeek.io. You can also find video and transcripts from the events we talked about today. If you're interested in hosting a Girl Geek dinner, contact sponsors at girlgeek.io. 